This is episode number 654 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in, no matter where you are in the world. I hope that you're having a great day. I hope that if you're driving your car, you stay safe for this one. It's absolutely wild. Before we get to that, big shout out to Rob Jones from Fight Endurance and the Start to Run program. Thank you for those of you that have already contacted Rob and want to start to run. This is a simple program. It rolls on a monthly basis, two sessions a week, which you can do anywhere in the world. The price point is super competitive. He might even cut you a special deal. Give Rob Jones a shout. RJ at innerfight.com. Definitely one of the world's most lovable running coaches. He is ready to teach you to start to run. Today, we're talking all about the world's highest obstacle course race with the man himself, one of the founders, David Pickles. I absolutely love this. I'm sure you are. Get comfortable. This one is absolutely wild. And if you want to join it, go over to the show notes, hop over to worldshighestocr.com and give those guys a shout. They'll interview you and you might get a place. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. And now, if you're a listener of the show, if you're a follower or a part of our community, you will have seen the explosion of OCR. But my guest today is something different than that. This gentleman, Mr. David Pickles, is in charge of the highest OCR in the world. David, thank you so much for joining us, mate. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks for the invite, Marcus. Um, yeah, so, so myself and, and uh, business partner Rob Edmonds, we're, we're co-founders, co-directors of World's Highest OCR. And we came up with the idea over a coffee. You know, so uh, Rob's, Rob's background, he is very much OCR, um, ex-British Special Forces. Um, my, so he's the OCR expert in terms of the event. My area of expertise is the mountain side. So I've, I've summited Kilimanjaro for the last 20 years, 57 times, and taken just over 2,800 people to the top. Um, so it's, it's a familiar ground, but it always keeps giving. We always learn, don't we? But yeah. Rob and I have come together and we wanted to redefine uh, the two colossal elements of mountain and OCR and actually set some new world standards of what that means. Um, so that's where it all came from, really. So I, I love that, mate, because I, we speak to a lot of people that have done like crazy stuff. And so many times it's like this started in a bar, this started over a cup of coffee. And it's just like, oh, yeah, let's just put this race on the top of Kilimanjaro. Now, that's just crazy. But let's rewind a bit. What you, that's a number of times you've been up Kilimanjaro. Tell us a little bit about that relationship, because I think that's probably sort of the, the the ground of this thing right yeah um well i uh, traditionally i'm a, a technical mountaineer so i've been mountaineering since i was pretty much 16. uh went to my first expedition to the arctic circle with british schools exploring society and, and that just was the proponent for the future of my life so um mountains are my go-to that's where i feel that's where i feel happiest Right. Um, which, which is strange because there's a lot of healthy pain that comes into it as well. <laughs> um, so, so mountaineering is, is so important. I think there's something special and with these iconic mountains, such as the highest freestanding mountain in the world, Kilimanjaro. 
Um, it's, it's not just the place, it's the people, it's the culture. There's so many hidden benefits of going to a place like that. And I always look at it as a bit of an algorithm. You know, initially it decompresses you. It creates this lovely space, this gap that fills up with the good stuff. And then afterwards you reflect, you consolidate, and it just, it, it nurtures you, it nourishes you. So Kilimanjaro, a lot of people go there once, maybe twice. <laughs> but there's, there's, you know, it's, it's one of those places that I've had the pleasure and the honor to work. Um, and ironically enough, I've never gone up for my own pleasure. It's always been in a working capacity. Wow. So that's how you ended up there the first time, like leading, leading a climb up it. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's it. So, you know, I did um, uh, uh, 10 months back in 1999, 2000, 10 months going up and down each week with groups. Um, and that was uh, contract work. And eventually just gravitated back there. Um, so it was a case of each year, maybe taking family, friends, and then it turned into a, a business footing. Um, but I, it's special. It's a lovely place. Really lovely. Mate, I love, I actually did a, I ran an ultra in Kenya last year, the uh, Beyond the Ultimate through Lewa Conser Conservancies. And yeah, it's the first time I've been in Kenya and it's, it's very, it's very special place, right? It is. Yeah. East, East Africa is the, the smell. As soon as you get off that plane, you're affronted with these positive um, everything. Your senses are awake and the smell is the first thing that gets you, isn't it, when you're there and, yeah. you know, the, the sights of it all. Um, but the, you know, the, I mean, say you do, you've ran and it's, it's a great place to go for these, these big runs. Um, and in 2000, they celebrated the millennium there by putting on a race that went from the road so not from the park gate, the road which connects Dar es Salaam to Arusha, all the way to the top, into the crater, back to the top, and all the way back down to the road again. And, and I, I did that particular event. But the, I, wouldn't say, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was, I was job ready now, though, because you know, I was acclimatised. But the, um, the running aspects are fantastic out there. And, yeah, I totally agree. You know, there's something special about the, the whole environment that you, you become part of doing doing big stuff you said something there david that i, I want to pick up on because i've heard and this is not a lot to do with the world's highest ocr but i think it's very important for people you said that you were talking about your background in mountaineering and we all we hear this a lot from from people that spend a lot of time in mountains like it's almost like a calling the mountain calls you and and for a lot of people people are like like what the fuck is this guy talking about but i get you mate because i understand but explain to us a little bit more sort of the feelings of, for example, the time you spent on Kilimanjaro and what maybe parts of nature have really, I guess they make you, well, they do make, they make you feel alive, right? Explain that process to us if you can. Well, I know you understand this, Marcus, and I'm sure many other people do as well, but the more we discover what the idea of limitations are, the more we keep moving, the more we, rinse and repeat the whole philosophy of just keep pushing, keep driving, you discover so much more about inside ourselves. And, and I think the mountains have a way of, of soothing people um, and also allowing us just to get back to basics. You know, you've got your mental fitness, your emotional resilience, your physical health, and it, it helps just recalibrate everything. And then for me, once that happens, uh, which is a fairly quick process now, 
then starts to, to thrive in challenging situations. So whether that is an affront on the mental fitness, the emotional resilience or physical health, but we, we learn how to thrive over survive and those coping mechanisms. And I think those lessons are acutely important when we come back and retreat into our comfort area. And that's where we then start to de de truly develop, I think, once we start reflecting on those mountainous experiences. Um, but, you know, the, in the mountainous environments, uh, whether it's in Nepal or the Andes or the Tian Shan mountain range, uh, where I've climbed before, um, Kilimanjaro specifically, because it's technically a trek, you're still experiencing that altitude of 5,895 metres, which is pretty much on, unheard of in, in lots of parts of the world. But, yeah, the, the nurturing and nourishing capacity of a mountain is... It, it's truth it we become brutally honest with ourselves you know and if we open up and accept that actually we become more content and i think contentment is what it's all about amazing mate that's yeah very very well put i, th I think i've asked that question to a couple of people before but that's one of the most uh, well, i'm not sure if eloquent is the right word but really really good description mate well done <laughs> <laughs> There's obviously comes with that, and, and, and I think a lot of mountaineers talk, or, and people that are into extreme things, they talk about that, and they talk about these benefits, and they put it in nice ways like you do. Sometimes we skip over a lot of the inherent dangers of being in extreme climates and in, on extreme mountains, terrains, what, whatever it is. Maybe some ideas, mate, like how do you manage that, and how does these two – and, and it's literally like this, isn't it? It's like the extreme peace one minute and then every, everything that could ever go wrong is going wrong the next minute and you are, you're nowhere. You're, all, you're in the middle of nowhere. So how do, you, how do you put these two together? Yeah, it's a brilliant question because um, now we're tapping into the real truth of it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's really important. Um, yeah, this, the whole idea of safety uh, we think we can control it, but not with nature. Nature, she, she knows what to do, when to do it. Um, but um, it, I'm always a great believer. It's not necessarily what happens. It's how we deal with it. And, and being able to switch mindset very quickly uh, is also very important. So if someone's um, in a really tricky situation where it could potentially be acutely dangerous, yeah. um, then it's, it's all about preparation leading up to that moment what's happened and the whole idea of a mountain especially you know this particular event world's highest ocr the preparation phase is key mm. and then the next phase is the event and then the third phase is post-event recovery but you know without going into detail there's there's been quite a few occasions on kilimanjaro where um it's it's been treacherous yeah uh, there was there was one particular event uh, a few years ago where they experienced the highest winds with the deepest snow combined ever in the history and anyone that was there that experienced it knows what i'm talking about but you know we on that particular night there was probably about 100 people going bidding for the summit and you know we, we were one of the lead groups only because we decided to set off earlier mm. and you could hear this it sounded like a massive freight train but the wind was so high and you heard this deep rumble 
um, and the wind was lifting the rocks. You could hear the whole mountain just moving. So we decided to go back down and just went, let's stop this now. We'll, we'll go down. And you had to really shout into the guy's ear so you could be heard. Wow. And as we were going down, we were advising people, say, look, it's it, you know, risk of rock fall and all the rest of it because these high winds and deep snow. And um, eventually everyone got down. Um, but it's making the right decision at the right time. Yeah. which only comes with experience, as I'm sure you're aware. It's timing is everything. Um, but if, if reading people and being compassionate and genuinely having an interest in people in these environments is one of the most important factors that anyone going up a mountain should consider. You know, who is their support? What's the, the background? Are they the right people? as a what if, if something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, so I think... In answer your question, it's making the right decisions at the right time, which is critical, and that can only be done based on on true experience. Well, you are the man to safely, I believe, take all these OCR freaks to to the top and and give them that race, mate. So you've just passed. We've just passed the interview stage. Everyone now trusts you a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, talk to us a little bit about your early experiences with OCR, because I think that's probably files some context to, to why we're going to talk about the world's highest OCR in a bit more detail. Yeah, so, so I, I also have a military background, um, as, as to Rob. Uh, not the same, uh, but I have a, a quite a long-standing military background. And, and OCR is, is very intuitive. Um, it, it's all about those linear assault courses back in the day. And it's progressed from there. Um, I've, I've done a fair few OCRs myself over the years. So I have a, I have a healthy understanding. Um, but the, the capability of being able to conduct something which is typically tough anyway, mm. with half the amount of oxygen in your body, at the height where we're going to do it at, after getting to the top, <laughs> descending into the crater, and then going through the obstacle course itself, um, can be done, but it can't be achieved without some proper preparation, you know, some good preparation. But so OCRs, you know, that, that functional script strength um, and using technique, calming the mind, being efficient, as opposed to just, you know, bulldozing through. Yeah. It's, it's all of those technicalities which, which are going to be key to success. So talk us through the conversation that you and Rob had where this idea, I mean, were you both just dreaming or was one of you like just going nuts and the other's going, mate, are you sure? Or how, how did this sort of idea incubate, if you like, mate? Well, I'm just happy to say we weren't in a pub because it would have been even more ridiculous, whatever the idea was. <laughs> Doing it on Everest or something, mate, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, you never say never, eh? <laughs> um, so, so uh, yeah. I well, I mean, Rob and I are very, very similar in in who we are as people, and we get on really well. You know, I've got a lot of respect for the guys. He's 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 a great person, and he's very good at what he does. Yeah. So I think because of our general kinship and our backgrounds, we we sort of came together quite quickly and went. And I and I said to him, Rob. Fancy, fancy doing a world record? And he's like, yeah, why? What's that? And I said, well, we could do an OCR, we could do an OCR in the crater of Kilimanjaro. What do you reckon? And he went, 
yeah let's do it <laughs> so that and then that was in in uh, november uh january we got off the plane at kilimanjaro international airport for our recce and uh and we went and did it and you know just rob and i we went up with and with local crew as well yeah and uh went and did the recce in the crater and did all the rest of it and met with the director of the national park uh, we've got written authorization for it uh, because previously i've been involved um, in leading uh, two world record breaking activities in the crater wow. so it's the, there was an understanding where we got sign off and from that point we flew home like right let's do it what was what was the reaction mate i mean, I, I mean when you spoke to sort of the authorities at, at kilimanjaro you like I, I imagine you had to go through quite an interesting explanation process of what you're actually trying to do here and and their reaction must have been quite interesting as well <laughs> yeah yeah well so so the, the the tribe which sit around the base of Kilimanjaro historically called Chaga and um, yeah in Swahili uh, it's a lovely language they they call they would call you and I Mazungu so white foreign traveler um, and Kicha means crazy and I think there was a little bit of Mazungu Kicha that went on and uh, yeah so but we were, we were sitting with them and chatting um, and Betty who's the chief warden there really lovely lady now she's the chief director of Kilimanjaro National Park um, she'd known I'd known her before and she'd known about what I'd been involved in and it was quite a simple process uh, and what we decided to do though just to really help was to say right we're going to leave zero footprint in the crater any trash we find whether it's ours or anyone else's we're going to bring off um, we're going to make sure that all the money goes into the local crew's pockets so they can help their families with the education and health wow. and the culture they have there if you're the eldest sibling in a family anyone that marries into your family or when the parents pass away your responsibility is to feed up to even 15 mouths yeah. so my chief head guide Musi, is a superb individual uh, we wanted to leave a legacy that would directly positively impact as well and, and it was very important in that conversation to make that and press that point home it wasn't a game changer it was just adding something on that that they didn't expect right and and i think whatever we do especially if we're doing big impactful events um we we need to be human about it and we need to do some some good as well uh so we we got written authorization which within seven months which is pretty much unheard of wow you know, yeah uh, and, and that was from Tinapa, the Tanzania National Park. So that's the ultimate directive of Serengeti, all of them. Wow. So, yeah, but the conversation was great and it was good fun. Uh, lots of laughs. Yeah, Mzungu Kacha, all the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love what you said there about, about the sort of protection of the environment. And, and, and I'm sure someone of your caliber that's done so much stuff outside is probably incredibly passionate about that and about protecting the planet so to, to be able to tie that in and almost because I, I think we've got to be honest that a lot of us that are into being in the outdoors or the guys that are in, into OCI yeah, a lot of people are into sustainability and taking care of the planet but some people are still quite let's say unaware of what's going on and how much so to leave that legacy and to have a commitment to say 
we're actually going to clear up the area. We're going to leave it better than we found it. Is that's beautiful, mate. It really is. Oh, cheers. No, it's um, that's the phrase, Marcus. Always like to do leave a, a situation or an item in a better way than I found it ever. Amazing. Uh, and the the other thing is as well. There's a local charity there called Feathers Tales Children's Village, and without going to loads of detail we are supporting them directly as a local charity as well. And, and one of the things, if people sign up uh, to the events and they want to raise money for a charity, Rob and I are donating £500 to whatever charity that person's signing up to. Wow. So, you know, it's not just let's talk, let's write a document, make it look pretty. Yeah. You know, we're actually giving, giving profits away. Amazing. Mate, let's move a little bit into the race now a normal ocr race we see obviously the biggest brand that we're seeing out there is spartan and we've got races from sort of five to ten kilometers all the way to the beast which you know is is basically more running than obstacles but give us give us a little bit of a taster of like a like how do you even start to think about obstacles at that height and what are they going to be like what can people really expect give us some context around the race itself yeah, <laughs> this this is the nitty gritty, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. so at, the way we're looking at it at the moment is it's going to be, so after we've been to the top, we descend into the crater, it'll take about an hour. Then you've got two hours to move through a 100 metre obstacle course, which has 10 obstacles on it. Now, you might think two hours, 100 metres, that's yeah. easy. But You see me, mate, I'm laughing. I'm like, this is insane because I know it'll be hard. <laughs> yeah, it'll be really hard, really hard. I mean, you, the, the key thing is half, half of the oxygen that we've got now in our body performing complex tasks. It's gone. So yeah. the first, so we're, we're going to graduate everything. So we're going to start fairly fairly intuitive, fairly easy, and then really start to get gnarly towards the end. Um, so we're looking at uh, balance beam, cargo net crawl, cargo net climb, about four meters high, um, sandbag carry, low wall, high wall, uh, monkey bars, flying monkeys. Uh, we've got um, a special one, which we're, we're not gonna talk about, but it's gonna be synonymous with the, the mountain. And then we're finishing with a ninja wall as well. Mate, how, how do you get all this stuff up there? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask. Um, so, the, so we've got in total, um, we're aiming at 60 participants for right. the event. So 60 participants from around the world. Um, and in total, we've got about 400 local crew that are man-packing the kit up and also looking after all the uh, participants as well. That's so... Yeah, so literally, it's being carried. Wow. Man power. Wow. Man and woman power. Um, so the, the kit is super lightweight. Uh, it's, it's a really um, simple frame to be able to put together. It's literally, you know, just aluminium bolts that go through holes. It's all colour-coordinated. There's quite a lot of training preparation that's gone on behind that. Wow. Um, but it's literally all being carried up set up we're gonna have a high altitude field hospital up there in the crater as well that's fully staffed and manned um we've got we'll have a, a mess tent up there so when people come down from uh, the top into the crater everyone will have hot food they'll be fueled up you know be checked over cared for as they move through each obstacle 
And, and each time someone goes through an obstacle, they'll be checked just before and just after to make sure, you know, the, the health is, is good enough to be able to carry on. Yeah. Um, and then once we've, once we've uh, gone through that phase, we get back to the crater rim and then descend to the highest camp. And from there, anyone that wants to, they can run down. <laughs> they can run down the mountain. They can trek down. Uh, there's an option for a helicopter ride on the, on the final day as well. But, uh, Mate, this yeah. is, well, I think maybe, uh, there's something that actually I, I sort of forgot that we might, we should have probably put in before this. We've jumped to the obstacle course race, but one of the most important details of this whole thing and something that, so when George spoke to me about it, came out, it was quite unique. To start the obstacle course race, you have to have climbed Kilimanjaro. So you have to have been to, it's just under 6,000 meters of height, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you've, we're, we're trekking, we're, we're trekking. Um, oh, and the, well, the, I mean, the dates for this are, um, we're getting people to arrive at Kilimanjaro International Airport on the 12th of September next year. Right. Um, so it's the 12th to the 20th. That's the actual event phase. And then there's a couple of days before, there's a day after, just to recalibrate, you know, to get everyone together. But once we leave, we go on the Machame route. Right. And that, we're elevating pretty much initially about a thousand meters each day. And then um, we, we do a couple of sort of high climbs and come down, but then we traverse across the base of the cone, which is Kibo. That's the actual iconic bit. Right. Um, and then once we've moved to the, the final camp, which is Barafu camp, you know, around about midnight, we're going to go on the summit attempt to the top. Um, that is absolutely what you've just explained, but in a bit more detail. Uh, wow. so so yeah for, yeah just under six thousand meters um that's phase one phase two is the descent and through the obstacle course itself and then phase three is the descent you know after we get to the crater rim what what are you actually expecting like you said you're expecting 60 people but what what's the for me mate there's an image of absolute carnage like we've got <laughs> because this is this is a number of moving parts, right? This is, most people either do an obstacle course race or they climb Kilimanjaro, but they don't, like, because we're talking five or six days to get to the summit, and then they're going to drop slightly down, and, and you make it sound so nice that you're giving them a mess tent with some food, but then they're going to do this, like, there's so much going on here, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, so logistically, in the planning, this is a sort of event which you know, really should not be even thought about unless absolutely confident that it can, it can be done, you know, logistically. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've got, um, I've got my head Sherpa from Nepal coming over, Muktu, um, with his daughter who, who was sponsoring as a female guide. Uh, wow. But Muktu, you know, he's, he's summited Everest 28 times. He's, wow. uh, you know, he's, he's summited over 200 8,000 meter peaks in his life. Wow. Yeah, he's, yeah he, he's the guy that took the 25K camera to the top of Everest for the movie Everest. Yeah, so he took it up there. And so, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of strong uh, capability within the initial team, yeah. but the guides and the assistant guides, chief guides that are supporting, you know, all the participants and the porters and the cooks, they are 
absolutely spot on. You'd be surprised, Marcus, what they can cook and I'm get so everything sure. done. Um, and then the, the, the ones taking all the kit up to the crater, it is like a military operation, really. Um, like yeah. Yeah, so, they, so they're all summit porters. Um, they, again, it's training and preparation, but the, the individuals that we're getting, we couldn't do this without local support. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, but the, the strength of confidence is based on experience of seeing these individuals supporting people. Um, I mean, currently, uh, my success percentage rate is 98% of taking anyone from a wow. group of two people to uh, 42 people to the top. Wow. Um, you know, the, the, so, so that, I mean, that's probably an important point to say. The, the 42 I've just referred to, uh, I've, I've got them all to the top, every single one of them. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's lots of tips and tricks throughout. And, and, you know, ultimately, this is all about moving slow, mm. hydrating, eating well, and also sleeping and staying relaxed. You know, having a really relaxed, happy mindset. It's yeah. key. Yeah, it's, key. it's I mean, mate, it, that, it's phenomenal. It is when, when it, you know, you're talking and you're dropping numbers. Yeah, we've got 400 support crew like and 60 competitors. People are probably thinking, well, that's a pretty good ratio. And then and I'm thinking you've got to manage 400 people. You've got to get all of that kit for the obstacle course race to the top of Kilimanjaro. Like fair play, mate. This is this is huge. This deserves this deserves a world record just organizing it never mind <laughs> getting the people up there but mate, when when you who's this race for when you sort of start to you know when you guys were sat there over this coffee and you you, you and rob are getting super excited about it like who are you thinking is going to come to this race <laughs> <laughs> Great Just, i had so many words in my head then marcus but i don't think i could repeat or say about you can say what you want. This is my show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think people who just want to absolutely live and not exist. Yeah. People that just want to do something special as a shared experience as well, and um, and people that want to do something truly unique. Yeah. I mean, this this has never been attempted before. Um, funny that. But, um, you know, and in terms of the, what, the vision that we had in terms of the type of people, yeah. we wanted um, an, international, um, an international gathering of like-minded people okay. where you didn't have any barriers of culture, skin, anything, anything. Yeah. It's nothing to, nothing to do with any of that. It's about celebrating human beings doing extraordinary things. Amazing. And, you know, the excitement of it, for me personally, is it's like a, a nod to Kilimanjaro over the last 20 years of, of just experience, you know, allow, her allowing me to be part of, of that experience. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately it's like-mindedness. You know, you get the right people, the right time for the right reason together and incredible things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, so yeah, it was the international like-mindedness that, that we wanted. Absolutely incredible. Mate, one of, the, one of the biggest things that we see on with Kilimanjaro, actually, it's, it's, I always remember this. A, g- a good friend of mine has summited Everest. He's also summited K2, but he couldn't summit Kilimanjaro. 
he got altitude sickness, which obviously knocks him out. And that seems to be one of the, let's say, biggest threats to people. How do you see that playing a role, A, in people getting to the top with your experience, and B, more importantly, like an obstacle course race at that height? Like, you must be – I'm not trying to put people off. I'm trying to sort of – it's just wild, mate. Like, where's your head at with all of that? Yeah, so – it's interesting you, you, what you mentioned about your friend there. Um, the, the Kilimanjaro, there's certain mountains, iconic mountains, and Kilimanjaro is one of them, that it can take people by surprise because it's a non-technical climb. You know, it's a trek, effectively. Um, but if we don't obey those three principles of, you know, making sure the fuel, the water, all that sort of stuff is ticked off, uh, we move slow and we have a happy, relaxed mindset. So we just go nice and chilled. But there's, there's other variables we can't control, which could be what's going on in people's lives leading up to being there. You know, are they stressed? Have they picked something up? You know, a cold or something which can affect people. It's, it's throwing all that up there and going, yeah, there's so many what ifs, but let's, let's take an informed decision as opposed to a, you know, just go for it. Um, but yeah, altitude is, is the kicker, really. We strip everything back. That's what this is about. Yeah. Um, now, I've, I've performed some pretty um, complex tasks in big altitude, so, so higher than Kilimanjaro. And we hear about it, you know, trying to, with your mitts, summit mitts on, trying to take an ascender off a rope, trying to get a carabiner and clips, all that sort of stuff, counting off a card, looking at it going one, two, three, four, five and mixing the numbers up because that lack of oxygen yeah. really does play havoc. And that's why we, we don't know. Uh, I, I got there every time. I feel different every time. Um, but the principles I've mentioned seem to work. People take them on board. But that's why we've got medical staff in the crater. That's why we want to do this properly. Uh, we've got a helicopter link from the Altitude Field Hospital to KCMC, which is a medical centre in town. and. When we're on the obstacles, I expect, a little insight here, I expect some people will have the capability, but whether they actually have the presence of mind to keep themselves nice and slow, efficient, relaxed, and also, yes, I can. Because often when we get into that that fearful mode where, where we feel in danger, we all know we either freeze, we run away, or, or we fight. Now, of course, we want to employ that fight philosophy, but not the release all the vowels and go for it. It's a real steady trickle, steady trickle. And and that is a unique experience for humans to feel exhausted, but to keep going and know you can't just quickly run out the room and everything's fine. You've just got to keep going. I I, I genuinely think that's going to be one of the, when, when I've, obviously read a little bit about what you guys are doing and, and, and talking about it here. I think that's one of the things, isn't it? Especially with the type of, it's, it's interesting and, and, and maybe you've got people registered already, but when we think OCR, we're like high adrenaline speed, you know, this big rush and they, they paint their faces and, you know, warrior style. And then, yeah, like the, the, the failures on Kilimanjaro, people that have decided to take the quick routes and, try and get up there in three days and and it just hasn't worked and but this mountain 
it needs an insane, you've said it, I think, like half a dozen times, it needs an insane amount of respect just to make the top. Now to have a race at the top, that needs, and, 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 and that's why I'm sort of maybe laboring the point a little bit because I think a lot of the time, and we get this, oh yeah, we're going to go and run an ultra, it's 250K, and people like, I don't think they can quite comprehend it, you know, and the comprehension of what you guys are trying to do is, even, mate, I know a little bit about this. It's just huge. Like, it's just an incredible thing. It's an incredible move that you're putting on this event, which is amazing. And I'm just so excited to see the type of people that, that will, you know, that will come to it. And, and, and how many people of the 60 have you got already registered or is it sold out? No, so what, what we did initially um, was release, we thought, okay, we're going to release uh, tranches of tickets right. and we'll just release some and see how that goes. The first tranche of tickets that we released were 15 and they sold out within days. But then we realised, actually, we need to be a bit more careful and sensible about this because, all right, yeah, this, we are a business. Um, but we're, we're in the business of putting on extreme sporting events um, in a safe environment. So we need to make sure the shared experience is good because, you know, you, I wouldn't want to spend all that time in those hardship moments with people that we may not want to be there with, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so we started conducting one-to-one calls and just, you know, just making sure the fit was right for everyone, really. Um, so we held 20 tickets back in total uh we sold the 40 which was great and the 20 tickets that we had at the end were for corporate and charity uh places if if anyone wants them yeah but um with the adjustment that we've had from postponing from this year to next year because of everything that that went on i won't even grace it with mentioning its name Um, (laughs) (laughs) well mate yeah yeah so yeah so um so we did that to protect everyone because we want this to be a really good experience for people and yeah there were there were two people that weren't able to adjust for next year and that's fine but everyone else was super supportive they said yeah completely understand we're really looking forward to it um so we've got we've got um uh, approximately 20 tickets uh, but in fact some of those in the last two weeks have been sold as well so we're, we've, we've probably got maybe 15 18 at the moment uh tickets left wow. so there's not many not many but the the international attendance as well it's good to know we've got uh mexico canada usa uk south africa australia uh dubai um uh we've got Qatar as well wow. uh, india wow. and um Sing- yeah singapore Amazing. And Australia, if I mention Australia. <laughs> Amazing. Um, it's, in, it's incredible. I think one thing that's, and, and obviously you're from quite a tight-knit sort of mountaineering community, but when these crazy events sort of pop up, it's like people here and they come from all the corners of the world because it's just so, I mean, what you guys are doing is just so unique and you're going to get such a great international audience on it as well. Yeah, and personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, you know, I've, you know, it's just um, I, I love the whole mix. <clears throat> excuse me, I love the whole mix of of different backgrounds coming together because that's actually part of the the experience, the hidden benefit of the experience as well. Yeah. Uh, what What would you say, David? You You've led 
so many trips up Kilimanjaro. We're, we're just over a year out for this race. What would be like, what's in your mind as how people should start training, when they should start training, knowing what you know about Kilimanjaro? Yeah, that's a, it's a critical question to ask. And um, ultimately, the two best principles are always to have a good baseline of health and stay injury free. You know, I think the, especially with, with this sort of task ahead, um, 12 months is, is really when a build-up of training needs to start, but always acknowledging that baseline of health and injury-free approach. Um, with the last three months, with a tapering of two weeks before departing for the event, right. to really focus on that, that fine-tuning of the fitness, but also um, the technicalities of, of, as I mentioned before, grip strength and how to move efficiently, yeah. You know, I know, I know inner fights are very apt and adept at that. And that's something that you guys do really well. But the, if, if someone is mountain passionate and they, they come onto this event, then of course they need to make sure they're focusing on the weaker points, which are maybe OCR. And if it's OCR and not really mountain, they need to do the same. Um, you know, it's a really, really nice blend. And, and of course, this sort of, event, I, I look at myself as this, you know, gnarly old fat donkey with only a snaggle tooth left that just eats grass roots and stones as you go up a hill kind of thing. There's, 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 a, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a certain amount of, of that that I have in my head. It's like, because you just need to be, you, you, people need to throw bricks at you and you just keep going steady away. Yeah, but, but, yeah. But then when you get to those obstacles, it's that real development of training, all the preparation of the efficiency, the, the technical moves on the obstacles, things like that. Um, but, but grip strength is probably one of the most important assets which someone will benefit from during the event as well. I'm just so interested to see, like, I always like this at, at, at ultra races and extreme events is the, the initial group photo where you sort of eyeballing people. And, you know, I, I, mate, I remember the first ultras I went to and I'm like, no chance that guy. And like, obviously he smashed me, you know, and it's like, you see all the people on the start line and it's like, yeah, he's going to be a little bit dangerous this one. And, and then to see, because I think this is going to be a race of, 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 of it's going to be a massive race of two halves the first half is is the climbing the mountain and then it's the condition and, and you've said it slow and steady is going to win this race right you need to get to the OCR part of this race fresh which for some people is going to be and maybe I'm giving away all the secrets but I don't care and it's like <laughs> but it's going to be wild to see because some people are going to like for some people, Kilimanjaro is going to be the hardest thing that they have ever done. That's, yeah. that, that, I mean, I'm sure that, of, you know, of your 60 people, they're not all like pro OCR or pro mountaineers. So it's almost like, I'm fascinated, David. It's going to be a fantastic race. It really is, mate. I get quite excited about these things, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, do, we, do, we do have some uh, pro OCR um, wow athletes as well that have signed up to this and i and i agree i think for them typically just generally speaking it is going to be get and you hit the nail on the head you know you you obviously know your stuff to get to the top is not it 
yeah. to get to the start of the obstacle course fresh in the best condition. That is the key. And I always, I don't, you can see this, but I always look at a mountain like this yeah. and everyone focuses on the top. But if you flatten it out onto a page, it's just one little pinpoint in the middle of massive experience. Yeah. And, and so the, we believe that the two hours to get through a hundred meters is, is plenty. Right. Um, right. And yeah, there might, there might, there's so many variables, but the, it, it is absolutely about preparation. It's, prepare, prepare, train, train, but not go, go, go. It is steady, steady, strong, build that intelligent strength, that mental fitness, the emotional resilience, physical health. Amazing. Mate, I, I would love to talk about this the whole day, but I'm, I'm respectful of your time. And I think we've given people enough to sort of warm them up to the idea. But mate, where should, where's the best place for people to check out? I guess it's on, on your website, right? Yeah, the website is www.worldshighestocr.com, worldshighestocr.com. Um, if uh, they've got anyone wants to get in touch via email, it's info at worldshighestocr.com. Um, there's, uh, there's different payment schedules as well, but ultimately the price for this as an individual is in pounds sterling, £5,930. Wow. So it's it's pretty reasonable as well, quite frankly. I mean, to, um, to put that in some context, how much is it if you just want to not in, like if if I was just to go next week to climb Kilimanjaro, it's it's somewhere around three thousand something pounds anyway, isn't it? Three and a half thousand. It pounds? is. Yeah. Yeah, it's around it's around three grand, and you know if you go with there's char- I know charities that take people up there and they ask an individual to raise five and a half thousand for the yeah. experience. Yeah. And that is. We say just, but it's it's to only climb Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we want to make this accessible. We want it. I mean, it is a premium brand. It is a quality brand. Uh, there's good pedigree behind it, but we want to make it accessible to as many people that like the idea and they want to do something crazy. Yeah. yeah. I may. I, I don't think. I think that a lot of people, just the general public, will will go oh, over five grand. That that's quite a lot of money, but. I think at the end of the day, for what you're offering, and as I say, just if you want to climb Kilimanjaro, folks, you're looking at three, three and a half thousand pounds anyway, and now you're getting to be part of something mind-blowing. And if you haven't got that through the last 40 minutes, this is mind-blowing, <laughs> a world record as well, and just yeah, the first one as well. Mate, I, I've almost taught myself into registering. I, 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 I mean, I actually said, I, I remember when I paid for Marathon de Sable and it was about four and a half, five thousand pounds. And I was like, this is the worst five grand I've ever spent. I'm, I'm six days. There's not one toilet, one shower, one hotel room. I brought all my own food and there's no transport. And I've paid five <laughs> But then looking back now, mate, five or six years later, it's probably the best five thousand pounds I, I ever, ever spent. So I think my, my key message to people, if you are thinking about the money side of this thing, is figure out, take a loan, steal some money from the piggy bank and and, and make this happen because as you said earlier on, David, it, there's something quite unique about about the mountains and about what you're creating. Mm-hmm. It's, mate, it's going to be wild. <laughs> this is going to yeah. be wild. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to getting back out there. Awesome. Missed it. Yeah. David, the world's highest OCR, mate, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
we will link to everything in the show notes, folks, the website that David just mentioned, and give him a shout, talk to him. It sounds like the interview process could be interesting, mate. I love the fact that you, you sort of get on, on a call with everyone that's going to be in the race. I think that, that needs a lot of respect as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll paint the target on our backs, but yeah, we've just got to manage expectations, definitely. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, the world's highest OCR. Go and check it out. Get involved. Give David a shout. He would absolutely love to hear from you.